Well, it's good to be with you uh, today. Um, we give thanks for Pastor Susan. She is not here today, but uh, she is at the baptism of uh, two of her grandchildren today. So uh, we are thankful uh, that she has that opportunity uh, to be with her family today, especially with such a significant day in their household. As I've said in the last couple of weeks, God has given us everything that we need to be with him, to worship him, to be his friends, and to eat with him. And he has done this by giving us the body of Christ in three different forms. Jesus, the church, and the Eucharist, or Holy Communion. When we look to the practice of Holy Communion, we see almost everything that we need to know about God, about humanity, and God and humanity. When we began the series, we talked about the invitation, the invitation that is made around the communion table, which is Christ invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. And then after that invitation comes the gathering, where then we say, therefore let us show signs of peace and reconciliation among one another. And we do that. We, we show signs of peace and reconciliation. It is a symbol, hopefully legitimately, but also metaphorically, a means of reconciling with one another before we come up to the table, making sure that we are right with one another before we approach in prayer and humility before God. So there's invitation, and then there's gathering, and then today we talk about proclamation, about telling the story as we gather around the table. Our scripture lesson today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So how do we tell God's story when we gather together for worship, specifically when we gather around the communion table? It is not practical to read the entire Bible every Sunday when we come to the communion table. In the beginning, like we don't have that kind of thing. It would be lovely. It would be lovely. But we have to summarize God's word. And summarizing is, is a bit of an art, isn't it? Um, like, like, a, like a teaser trailer, right? I think it was a couple days ago, Marvel announced like the 400 movies that are coming out in the next three years. And they have teaser trailers for them. And the, the whole purpose of a teaser trailer is to get you wanting more. It gives you the highlights. It gives you some of the excitement. And it's all you need to know right now. But sometimes when we summarize, we could also summarize poorly. And I love this. This happens uh, on the socials every now and again. Uh, someone chat, and I put it on Facebook so you can now answer this. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear this. Tell me about your favorite movie, but explain it poorly. Right? Like, like this one. Uh, what movie might this be? 
Nine dudes spend nine hours returning jewelry. Lord of the Rings, yeah. <laughs> it's Jurassic Park. They realize that they really should have put money in the IT, IT department, right? Or another one, family's Airbnb vacation works out very poor, very poorly. It's The Shining, right? Um, I'd, I'd love, I'd lo I didn't think that would be the one that got the laugh. That's cool. That surprises me. But well, it's Halloween. It's, it's October, right? So after the sermon, or during the sermon, should the sermon get slow, I told the youth that I'm not going to be all about them not being on their phones today because I almost fell asleep during the 830 service while preaching the sermon because it was a bit boring. It's very informative, uh, and it's very important, uh, but not as exciting as The Shining, apparently. So I would love for you this week, later today during the sermon, uh, to tell me, uh, explain your favorite movie, but do it poorly and see if we can guess uh, what it is. Uh, I think that would be quite fun. Because when we summarize the, the art of hitting the high points and telling us the essentials and what we need to know, sometimes that can work out very poorly. So how do we do that in the context of church? How do we share God's story and give the highlights and give the essentials? How do we make the awesome choice of putting something on the cutting room floor? We do that in three ways when we gather for worship, outside of the sermon proper, we do that in three ways. One, we do that through creeds of the church. So first, we do that through the creeds of the church. Second, we do that through the liturgy of the church. And third, we do that through the symbols of the church. So the creed. Creeds are one of the ways that we summarize our faith. It's one of the reasons we do the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. It is the boundaries of our faith. Uh, you know, college football is in, in full swing for some, most teams, not all teams. Th think of it like the, the boundary lines on the football field, right? There's a lot of action that happens in between those lines, but you need to know where the boundaries are, and that's what a creed is. It doesn't say everything that we believe, but it gives the boundary markers, right? Uh, as good United Methodists, those markers in between the boundaries, we can arm wrestle over, we can argue about, we can discuss, but here are the boundaries. That's like, like the Apostles' Creed. There's also, if you look in your hymnal, uh, there's another, the Nicene Creed is also in your hymnal. And it goes, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God, from true God, begotten, not made. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I encourage you to take a look at that creed as well. We don't say it as often as the Apostles' Creed. For those of you keeping score, that is number 880 in the hymnal, uh, if you want to check that out. But creeds are like a snapshot. Businesses do this. It's like mission statements. When you come into Asbury, we can't tell you everything that we're doing and everything that we're about. But thankfully, when you walk in, you see bringing hope, building faith, and reaching out in love. And for today and for right now, maybe that's enough. Let's hang on to that. So creeds are a way that we tell that story very quickly. We also do it through liturgy, through that shared heartbeat of the church. The, the Methodist church is a liturgical church, which means we share a common heartbeat with other churches across the planet. Right now we are 
in what's called common time uh, of the church. It's that time between Pentecost and uh, Advent, or Christ the King Sunday, which is the last Sunday of the year, which is right around Thanksgiving. So we're, we're, near, we're nearing the end of the Christian, the Christian year. It starts with Advent, right, with, with living in expectation of Jesus' birth. And then Epiphany, which is a season, might be my favorite, I don't want to pick fits. You hear what I'm saying? It, it's a beautiful season. It's a, beautiful, it's a season where we dive into the mystery of God, Epiphany, this kind of mystery and glory of God. And then we uh, move into Lent, this time of preparation for Jesus' death and resurrection, which then is Easter. And then 50 days after Easter, it's Pentecost, uh, the day the Holy Spirit was gifted upon the church. And then uh, we get to Advent again. We have the blessing of telling the story all over again. So when we gather uh, for the harvest, uh, or harvest time, like we change colors, we, we, uh, we, we put certain things on, on, the, on the screens, during the seasons of the year. That's another way in which we tell God's story. And then finally is through symbols of the church. Uh, St. Francis is rumored, well, today is the feast day of St. Francis. It's the first Sunday in October, which is why we do blessing of the animals on the first Sunday of October. St. Francis is rumored to have said, at all times proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words. At all times proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words. So the symbols of our faith is another way that we proclaim God's word, like the stained glass windows. Or or I love what the worship design team has done with the altar table here. Uh, It made it look like a table. We're talking about being a companion of God, which literally means to break bread with God. So it's it's a table, uh, a foretaste of the heavenly feast that we will one day all uh, experience through God's grace. So creeds shared liturgy, and also the symbols of our faith, those unspoken things that still reveal the glory of God. So when we gather around the Lord's table, right, there's, there's the invitation, Christ invites to his table all who love him. Then there's the gathering where we reconcile with one another. We are a reconciled body. And then there is the, the proclamation where we tell the story of why we are gathering around the table. And that proclamation is always Trinitarian. We cannot make sense of God without saying Father, Son, and Spirit. Or Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Or Thought, Word, and Deed. Or Author, Manuscript, Interpretation. Now, all of these metaphors fall short at a certain point. But we cannot talk about God without talking about God as three in one. So when we gather around the table, there is the formal Eucharist where I say, the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And we tell God's story. And then we tell Jesus' story. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread. And then we talk about the Holy Spirit blessing us and pouring out itself upon the bread and the juice and those who have gathered here. It's always Father, Son, and Spirit. Three in one. Another way to see that is we are many, but we are all one because we all share from the same loaf. We all share from the same bread, the same Lord, the same broken body. 
So that, that bread, let's talk about the bread uh, for a second. Uh, oh, the other day, this is so great. So Isabel came to me. Isabel is studying in, in world history, studying the Protestant Reformation. So she said, hey, Dad, can you explain transubstantiation and consubstantiation to me? I thought, oh, Jesus, here it is. I've been preparing for 25 years for this moment. To, like, I know some of y'all, I'm sure, get jazzed up when, like, if you're like an accountant and your, your child says, hey, can you help me with math? And you're like, oh, yes, I've been preparing for this. Finally, transubstantiation and consubstantiation. I've got this. All right, so in Catholic teaching around the communion table, it is transubstantiation. Which, Isabel, do you want to answer that? For, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It means everything has two attributes. It's essence and it's accidents. Accidents is taste, smell, texture, height. So accidents would be like bald, green eyes, uh, overweight, TikTok dancing. These kind of things are the accidents. Many of them are very accidental. But then there, but then there, is, there is the essence, which is who you are. Even when your eyes change color, even when your hair falls out, even... Will you still need me when you still feed me when I'm 64? When all these things happen, you are still you, right? So with the bread, in Catholic teaching, transubstantiation means the accidents remain the same. It's still bread, tastes like bread. It's still wine, tastes like wine, but the essence has changed. It is now the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is broken, there is a sacrifice that happens. That's why Catholics are priests, and I am a pastor. Right? But then the Protestant Reformation came along and Martin Luther said it's not transubstantiation, it is consubstantiation. Which means the essence doesn't change. It is bread, it is juice, but it is the body of Christ in the sense that Christ accompanies the bread and the wine. It is alongside the bread and the wine. Con meaning with. With the substance. Right? Um, in the United Methodist Church, you know, the theological irony of all of this is that communion is one of those gifts of God that is supposed to keep us together as a body, to keep us together as a faith, uh, but every denomination has their own flavor of what Holy Communion is. Uh, some can receive, some can't, and we all have different understandings of it, and it's, it's the one thing that's supposed to bring us together, but it's also the thing that keeps us all separate and apart, and that's just bonkers to me. But in the United Methodist Church, we have what's, it's not transubstantiation, it's not consubstantiation. It is pneumatological anamnesis. But do not say that in public because you sound like a pretentious jerk when you say that. Tell me about your church. Well, it is pneumatological anamnesis. Like, get that jerk. No, what it means is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we remember and receive the real presence of Christ. So pneumatological pneuma uh, meaning air or spirit, right? Like, a, a, uh, like an air gun, right? So a, 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 a pneumatic tool, right? Pneumatological means Holy Spirit. And anamnesis means memory. Like this is where we get amnesia from, right? So pneumatological anamnesia or uh, anamnesis, which means by the power of the Holy Spirit, we remember Christ. We bring Christ back into our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in the act of receiving we receive the presence of Christ, which means it is bread and it is juice, not wine. It is the 
unfermented fruit of the vine. It is bread and it is juice. And when it's, and it's still bread and juice, but when we receive by the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive the real presence of Christ. Here's the metaphor. It's, for, it's from like John chapter 2. Think about John chapter 2, the wedding in Cana, right? Jesus and his disciples and his mother uh, went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And while Jesus was there, they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother says, you need to fix this. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And then Jesus' mother, like a good Jewish mother, completely ignores him and tells everybody, listen to what he says. So Jesus says, okay, get six stone jars for purification and fill them to the brim with water. And they do that. And then it says, they drew the water out and gave it to the steward. And the steward who drank the water, which had become wine, asked the, the groom, the bridegroom, why he saved the best of wine at the end of the party. In other words, it was still water in the jars, but the act of drawing it out and receiving it is when the miracle happens. Drawing it out and receiving it, right? So when we come and approach the table with the broken bread and the juice in the act of receiving it by the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive the real presence of Christ. Pneumatological anamnesis. The interesting thing about the bread is that we gather around a broken piece of bread, a broken loaf. It's not perfect. It's not beautiful. Um, it's not supposed to go with you know, salt and pepper and oil, right? It is, is, it's, it's broken. As my colleague in ministry, Juan Huertas, says, it's broken bread for broken people. And yet it is also holy bread for holy people, chosen people, God's own people. So we need not shy away from brokenness. It's actually part of our celebration. Brokenness is part of our gathering. But it is a brokenness in which we find our grace and find our healing. It's a brokenness that we bring with us to the table and leave there before returning. Through brokenness we are made whole. As our text says, God has given his people, uh, um, sorry, uh, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything becomes new. And that's a big word for Paul to say. Everything becomes new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, not counting the trespasses against us, entrusting us with the message of reconciliation And then here's the kicker. It says, so we are ambassadors of Christ. In everything that we do, thought, word, and deed, we should be an emissary. We should be an ambassador of Jesus. Whenever we meet someone, whenever we are in ministry, in our conversations, in our work, and in our play. And we have been reconciled to God so that we might be the righteousness of God. The the brokenness is accepted and redeemed, and then we are sent out as an ambassador and a representative. 
So through that brokenness, we find our grace. We are the picture. We are the symbol. Yes, when we are out in the world through our work and through our play, we could, we could offer a creed of what we believe. Uh, that might sound exhausting. Uh, we could only talk about the seasons of the church in, in the liturgy. The point is for us to be the symbol of the church. Again, as St. Francis was rumored to have said, at all times preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And it's a tall order. Because there, there's a great temptation of going out in the world and saying that the Lord of the Rings is about nine guys spending nine hours returning jewelry to someone. When really, really the story is about how good can overcome evil. Even from the simplest and most humble of things. Is that not our story? Is that not our purpose? So, there is invitation. Christ invites to his table all who love him. There is gathering as the reconciled body of Christ showing signs of peace with one another. And then there is proclamation. Here's God's story. And you're invited to be a part of it. And then there is the act of receiving. How are we called to receive this grace that we've been offered? But you're just going to have to come back next week for that discussion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Let us pray.